That was a loud train. Yo! Yo! I love the sound of trains. Uh, Me too. And today it's raining here, kind of, in Southern California. So you could say it's rain like the sound of trains. I knew, oh, I knew where you oh, were going with that. <laughs> anyway, welcome to another episode of the Where It Went podcast, where we are discussing the Revelation Records catalog in chronological order. And I was thinking this morning, I cannot believe we're in 1994. That is fucking yeah. wild to me. Yeah. Like I was actively, uh, not necessarily hardcore. I mean, some hardcore, but like I was around in 1994. Yes. 13 this is, this is, we're now in real time. Yeah. Yeah. For all of us. I mean, Plus Jason, 94. Jason, you're like older than us. So you've been in real time for a few episodes. That's true. Class but, of 94. But we're going to really start getting into stuff that we started buying when we were in high school and anybody who loves music knows that when you start consuming you you start making an active decision to consume music that music stays with you for your entire life right it does yeah even if does. you come back even if you come back to it later like i realize most of my current playlist is stuff that I listened to in when I was 13, 14, 15. And then, you know, you discover all this new stuff and maybe, and then, you know, now I'm coming back to this stuff that I've liked for almost 30 years. Yes. Look at, look at the shirts that the three of us are wearing as we record this Oasis, Jets to Brazil and Bloodlet. Like I've literally been listening. I didn't listen to Oasis that much when I was growing up, but Jets to Brazil and Bloodlet. Like since they since they came out, I've been I've been loving both of those We're bands, old. and I still yeah. do. So anyway, before we get into the episode, it's already time to. Yo, are you guys? Do you have trouble sleeping last night? Are you, are you a little tired? Oh, I really could use a pick me up. I could use some coffee. Well, Essex Coffee Roasters. Um. Got to got to check it out, everybody. Uh, we uh, our sponsor this episode. Um, Essex is owned by Aaron Dalbeck, friend of the pod, from our friends uh, Be Well, um, which is also awesome because it's going coming here full circle. Um, so Essex Coffee, they um, you know roast. Uh, they use responsibly, uh, responsibly sourced beans for their coffee. Uh, so that means that their importers are working directly with farmers to ensure they're paid a good wage and able to grow their business. And, you know, like we always say, that's super important, I think, um, you know, coming from DIY, punk, hardcore to, you know, keep things ethical and to actually care you know, be a company that cares um, and puts your cares above just profit. That's punk, man. That's cool. Um, So they roast all the beans to order. So they're, they're fresh. It's not like they're just sitting around. Um, They have a rotating selection of beans. Um, And then there's of course standards. You're always going to be able to find a nice regular blend. Uh, There's teas. There is a decaf. Hav talked last week. There's a subscription. You could just get a subscription and get a bag of coffee sent to you every month. And you can use 
the code where it went for 10% off. That's good. Uh, And in, in our discord, which you can have access to if you're a Patreon subscriber, supporter, a a patron, patron. um, they were talking about how they appreciate that I mentioned tea because not everybody drinks hot brown bean water like I do. Um, So some people want the floral goodness of tea in the morning. And uh, maybe even, I think, unfortunately, they have decaf. My wife switched to decaf recently. I know it meant last episode I mentioned that my wife was off coffee. Well, I bought this bag of coffee from my local spot. Turns out it was decaf. I was, yo, that morning, that was not a good morning for me. You have to, you you have, because I was, I was off caffeine for a while. Yeah. Um, And you have to, um, you have to really wean off it. You can't just. Yeah, you do. So anyway, she's been drinking this. uh, There's this local spot called Moon Goat that also has fizzy Americano which is my new jam. And that's Topo Chico with espresso. So it's like an Americano with dude, yo, it is incredible. But I got a nice bag of Ethiopian, which I thought I was like, I love Ethiopian coffee, right? Well, it was decaf. So she's been drinking that. Anyway, my point is I'm pretty sure Essex has decaf as well, if that's your thing. But even if they don't, they have decaffeinated teas. Um, We're, uh, I don't know about, Greg, you drink, do you drink as much coffee as me? Hey, I don't think anyone on this pod or listening to this pod for that matter, drinks as much coffee as me. No. And the only reason, and the only reason I, you know, I consider it at this point for me, it's like a medicinal thing because that's what I I, say about marijuana. (laughs) Because I I work, I I work, (laughs) I work so many hours, uh, you know, 8am to 9pm every day. And it's just like, I need, you know, it's a nice way to kind of, you know, I don't want to, I don't like to necessarily sleep during the day, which I was doing, like falling asleep on lunch break and uh-huh. just Taking feeling like real. Yeah. So, um, I have had, I had the hell minded records, our friend uh-huh. of the pod, uh, blend and mm-hmm. it is delicious. You tell me you like the, in the car. You tell me you like the taste. Yeah. Just, but there's, just think it yeah, looks there's, cool. there's, there's teas. There's, um, you know, merch, there's merch. And merch. you know what? The bottom, the end of the day, the bottom line is you're supporting a hardcore kids business. And that's a really important thing to do, especially in 2021. Um, uh, shop local shop, small yeah. support, small businesses. I, I think that on the last episode, I mentioned that I bought the Heartwork coffee youth yeah. code blend, and that was delicious, uh, to, uh, that's such a, a good combo. A bunch of lovely people. Heartwork, which is a friend of the pod, Rob Moran, his coffee shop in San Diego. If you ever get a chance, I would pop in there. And then me and Jason are going there next summer. Yeah, yeah I want to make it out the there. Trip. Truly, yeah. yeah. Um, um, one more thing I wanted to say on on Essex Coffee Roasters. Well, two things. One, the website is EssexCoffeeRoasters.com, and two, and I, you know, Lord forgive me because, like I said, my I'm scatterbrained. I'm working all these hours. I forget if I mentioned it last time, but for fans of the band, The Descendants, now you know Bill Stevenson, who is like a coffee connoisseur. I mean, this man has, you know, popularized coffee within punk music almost. Like, fair enough. Made it a thing, right? 
Yeah. Um, he thinks Essex coffee is great. Wow. What yeah, a I, glaring I, I, recommendation. Of course, as, as a nerd, I had to ask Aaron because, uh, you know, Aaron also played in a band. Well, I guess there's, they still exist. Only Crime with Bill. And I was like, did you send Bill coffee? And he's like, dude, he loves it. That's great. So if that's oh, not that's an endorsement cool. for someone that loves coffee, I don't know what to tell you. I have, yeah. a, dis- I have a Descendants coffee mug in my regular rotation. So I the have this mug. Yeah. The I blue one with the ologistics. I just okay. have the ologistics <laughs> one. I have six of them and I have the travel mug too. Well, mm. five regular mugs and a travel mug. Wow. Super so. fan. Uh, I wanted to give a bit of bow to war against records. We got a nice package in the mail. Uh, from Ryan over there at War Against. And he sent a bunch of records that they put out. Uh, There's a band called The End, a band called The Arson Choir, a 12-inch by a band called Rot, a 12-inch by a band called Fake Figures, and then Ryan actually plays in a band called Pressure Cracks, which is also on this. And that features my... Dear friend and former bandmate, uh, Dan, affectionately known as Grandma's Boy, who also has a uh, custom effects pedal company called Spooky Vibes. You should check them out. He's made me a couple of uh, effects pedals for my noise project. And Ryan plays bass in this band. And he also records uh, at Buzzbomb Studios, which is owned by Paul Miner. Who oh, was in, I knew that uh, you should have quizzed me because I'm Mr. Studio <laughs> producer. Yeah. Uh, so Ryan is like his, I, he works at the studio. He does some extra recording there. And the singer of Pressure Cracks is a guy called Jason Butler, who was in a band called Let Live. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of them. And he also currently sings for a band called Fever 333, which is like, Kind of, kind of sounds like Rage Against the Machine-ish, I guess, if, if you had to explain it to a, a lay person. But Pressure Cracks is really good. It sounds, to me, it sounds like Every Time I Die with like a little bit more of a, like hip-hop inspired vocals. And it was really nice of Ryan um, to send us this package and, and uh, these records. And so I just wanted to give, uh, put some shine on all of that stuff. I would really recommend uh, the Pressure Cracks 7 Inches, and you can check all of this out at waragainstrecords.com. All of it is available on Spotify, I'm sure, and Instagram. You can check it all out. And uh, what up? Bit of bow to Ryan and Grandma's Boy. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, you got any? I, I do. I do. Um, Go for it. Bit of bow to Anthony Papalardo who joined us for What Was Said, Volume 4. And we spoke to him about his book, Heaven or Las Vegas. That's now in its second press with a blurb by Walter Schreifels. And you can order that at adultincorporated.com. And that, you know, that really makes me wish that I had waited to order so I, know. I could get the edition. I know, so do, I need, do I need both editions? The collector in us? Well, I, it's funny. I saw that it went into the second press and I already sent, because people that listened to our episode had said, oh, I want the book. So I, yeah. I sent it out to a couple people and they were all like ordered. So oh, hopefully, okay, cool. we, you know, and we got them some sales. And uh, I also want to bit up a little Chris. 
that blessed us with some Youth of Today shirts. But it was, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. We've done a couple of detours here, but uh, it was killer. And all of his ideas are just, every time he has an idea and screen prints something, it's always clever yeah, you stole you it. stole mine that's what i was gonna oh, say oh i'm sorry greg no it's good it's good i'm glad okay He's probably happy right wouldn't you be yeah. happy that two people wanted to because hov did last hov did last time as well i believe but yeah junk so it's it's cool to me because it's like clearly just like him screening stuff for enjoyment and being yes. like hey i screened a couple extra who wants it? Like it's not, right. and and it's it's not for profit. It's it's he designs it, he prints it himself, and like he those uh, last shirts. I don't want to I don't want to blow it up too hard, but the yeah, last shirts yeah. that he sent all of us, he didn't sell those. He sent us those, yeah. and then he held on to a few, and that's like that's art. He's yeah. like just creating art and not just for profit. He's doing something that he loves. I look at it. It's literally the equivalent of like Kurt Cobain with the homemade flipper t-shirt. Yeah. It's the same thing. Like it's just like, but it's also would be like being in a band and recording your demo and then giving out your demo for free at shows just because you want people to have it and support it and, and become a part of it. And you're not necessarily looking for, you, you know money in return right. you're just even though it costs money to yeah. make tapes and yeah. print layout and you know, can, I, record. can i tell a quick story yeah, yeah kick it. kick it. it's real quick so i learned how to screen print way too late in the game maybe five years back and the first shirt i did was a neglect fuck life shirt mm. that i just made myself but i did the same thing where i just sent it out to friends and uh sent one to nikki money from nothing mm. and it ended up that he wore that shirt in like a photo of him on top of the crowd, like guitar out. And that was like more valuable than any amount of money I could have made off that. So any amount of money, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that money nah. would be gone. Let's just say yeah. I made 500 well, hey, bucks off the shirt. But it went to Nikki money. Mm. Yeah, that's true. So there you go. Uh, of, of the great, great band, nothing. Oh, I mm. just, I uh, pre-ordered their, the reissue of Tired of Tomorrow. That's my favorite nothing record. And the new edition comes with a flexi of a yes. demo song. Oh, okay. And I, for some reason, I only own that album on cassette. So it was nice to grab. I grabbed the most limited uh, format on Relapse. And uh, Relapse is, they've been putting out some heat lately. Oh, yeah. You know? yeah. Ever, for me, I didn't really pay atten- that much attention to them until they started putting out Integrity Records. And then, yeah, I just, to me, it was just like, it's heavy metal stuff. You know what? It it wasn't really like my jam for a long time, but then integrity, they've done a couple of integrity records. They did the Gizem reissue. They did Zao. And now with this uh, nothing reissue, I'm every time I get a package from them, it's quality. It it looks, feels amazing. So I'm super stoked on that. Um, before we get too deep into it, I also yeah. just wanted to uh, shout out little Chris. Uh, you mentioned it. Chris is one of my best friends in the world, and uh, I love you guys, you and Alexa. Just just wanted to throw that out there. I think that's a good place. And to Goose the interview. Rip junk. Let's get into this interview. We can we can talk later. Kick it. 
Okay. Uh, so before we get into the uh, Orange Nine Millimeter EP, Eric, first of all, welcome to our show. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask you a, a little birdie. Uh, our friend of the pod, Brooklyn, told me that you are originally from Buffalo. And you were in a little band called Zero Tolerance. Yeah, that correct? Uh, Bit of bow to Scott Vogel. Uh, Vogel, I know you're listening. I know you're probably the world's Uh, biggest Zero Tolerance fan. Uh, Maybe Uh Mike. I don't know. Is Vogel or Mike Ski a bigger ZT fan? Uh, They 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 are both the homies. So uh, I'm a fan of both of theirs. So. However, however, the cookie crumbles. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also want, I also want to give a bit of bow to Nickel City podcast. Yes. Uh, my friend Chris Wyatt, um, who he he should be up there for Z, a ZT super, super fan. fan. I think he's a, he's a contender. He's who got yeah, me into absolutely. the band. Um, I actually just did their podcast as well. Yes, yeah, I was going to say, l- listen to that. Uh, yeah, that's uh, episode eight on the Nickel City soundtrack podcast interview yes, with uh, Eddie Malone and Eric Rice from ZT. That's yeah, awesome. Was, was pretty much my bridge to New York. Uh, so what year, I guess, what year did you start playing in hardcore bands? Uh, <laughs> probably about 86. Uh, I, I had a little punk band with uh kind of skate rock punk band with, with a couple guys that I had grown up with. And, uh, that was the beginning of kind of high school for us. I, I, I also, you know, I was very young when I kind of got into, into the whole punk hardcore thing and was fortunate enough to have some people older than me that that kind of took me under their wing uh some <laughs> some good examples fortunate enough to, to have that to expose me to a lot of music that i you know i probably wouldn't have been privy to just on my own so you had you had good teachers I had a lot of good teachers. I had some bad ones too, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think, like a lot of a lot of our trajectory in hardcore and punk does depend on who you know. Everybody kind of needs that person or people to show you show you you know what's what. And Absolutely. depending on who's showing you, sometimes there's bands. That like I don't I didn't get into until much later in life because they weren't in, in the lexicon of what my friends were you know who were teaching me yeah. about hardcore. Yeah. Uh, so zero zero tolerance ends what ninety two? Yeah, they went. They I, so I I had left the band probably a little before the end. Okay. Um, and moved to New York City. Uh, and I linked up with the guys with, with, uh, with Gavin actually initially, and I knew Gavin and Chaka previously from doing shows with zero tolerance with them as well. Um, you know, we had played with them in, uh, Syracuse at some of DJs 
D, DJ, you know, Rose put on a bunch of shows back in the day out there, and uh, we played some shows with them there and uh, in Buffalo. Uh, I want to say we played in Connecticut with them at one point as well. But uh, that's how I initially had kind of linked up with that. With that. Um, and I actually played, when I first moved there, within probably the first two weeks of me being in New York, Gab and Chaka were kind of already creating the second incarnation of Burn, which was me, Gab, and Chaka, and another guy named Jimmy Drufka. Um on drums, um, Alex and, and Alan, Alan was doing quicksand and I really didn't know Alex that well. Uh, so I really don't know what he had going on at that time, but, uh, but we had played a, a handful of shows in that, in that incarnation of burn, uh, from the pyramid club to, uh, uh, you know, we played a few big shows too. I think at the, well, I want to say we played with Body Count and Rage Against the Machine before Rage blew up. Rage had wow. just had a oh, demo wow. out at that point, a four song demo, and it was during the new music seminar. Wow, crazy. Uh, and yeah, Body Count was the headliner, and it was Burn, Rage, Body Count. That was a pretty sick show. Was that, yeah. at, C- was that at CBGB? No, it was okay. uh, it's at one of the bigger venues uptown. Uh, I, I keep wanting to say the Palladium, but it wasn't the Palladium. Uh, uh, the name of the place is eluding me, but it was one of those, you know, uh, big old theaters that had the, you know, the balconies on the side. And, uh, was that the Ritz, w- maybe? Double-decker. It may have been the Ritz. It may have okay. been. Because I had seen the body count. Uh, there's like footage of them at CB's around that time. So I wasn't sure if that was the show. Cause, um, so I guess, were you a big, were you a big burn fan then before joining? Oh yeah. I love burn. I love burn. I mean, burn. He was doing something totally different. Kind of had their own thing going on and they kind of had a little bit of similarities, but to me, burn was, was the way more aggressive kind of version of that. And, uh, and that was the hot new shit back then too. Yeah. I mean that we, we did the episode on, uh, that seven inch and, um, you know, so many people just, it's one of those records I think where people that are into it, they're really into it. Like there's not really many casual fans of the burn seven inch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too. At that time, you know, Burn had so many other badass songs that no one was even privy to unless you were at a show and you actually heard them live because they were there was no recordings of so many of the great songs. You know, there is now, uh, I, I forget what the album's called, Last Great Sea, and, uh, you know, and uh, the song New Morality. And there were so many really badass songs that were not recorded recorded at that time that you know if you weren't at the show you just you weren't you didn't know about any of that shit you know it was it was real you know underground at that point you know it's it was badass music and nobody knew about it unless you were part of it and that was that was a major attraction too for me like I, i just 
I don't know. I loved it. I loved that music. I loved, you know, I had just gotten to New York. You know, I, I knew people there and we, we, you know, zero tolerance. We would go there as a group all the time and go see shows. And, you know, we were real tight with, you know, the guys from burn and, but also sick of it all more, even more so, um, you know, those guys took zero tolerance under, under the wing, like, like no other band. Like we played with them everywhere from Safari club in DC to, you know, uh, up in Boston at the channel to, you know, Toronto to Cleveland. And, you know, we went all over with them. God bless them. They, they definitely always looked out like brothers to this day, but you know, we're all good friends. Damn. Um, Jason, it sounded like you had a question. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask about the early formation of Orange 9, how they approached you to join and what they uh, gave you as kind of, we want to do this band influenced by these bands or what you remember from that. Yeah, like and where and where Burn, where the end of Burn Mach 2 or whatever, like were you yeah. in Burn until the end or yes. was it because i know yes. they're okay yeah it, it just kind of fizzled away you know like uh rory was the manager rory Krevlon at the time i don't know if you're familiar with her but she, she was a pivotal part of burn you know as far as like just promote constantly promoting the band and uh you know getting us bigger shows or you know linking us up with people outside of hardcore you know too like in hip-hop and and stuff like that, doing, uh, doing the Amnesty International benefits. I don't know if you're familiar with those shows, but those were badass shows. Oh yeah. I've seen the flyers that she put on that, that were, that crossed, you know, hip hop and hardcore together, you know, and they were just great ass shows, you know, and she was crucial in that. Um, but yeah, so, so the band, you know, shortly after we did a few shows and, we, we went up to Boston and played Rhode Island and did a, a little, you know, three or four date stints um, in a few cities and stuff. And then we played a few shows also, yeah, in New York. But um, I think, you know, the main characters of that band, obviously Gavin and Chaka. And I, I think they both kind of wanted to take the band in, in, in the direction of like orange nine millimeter, but also in the direction of like what, what Gavin ended up doing, like die one sixteen and stuff. Um, but I, 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 I don't know. I think they just, it, it just, it just dissolved it. it I don't want to say there was like anything harsh that happened because it wasn't, everyone was still friends and stuff, but it, I don't know. I think everyone just had their own vision of how to get to where they were going and it it wasn't the same as the other person's. And, that know, makes I, sense. At that, at that point, I had me and Chaka had become roommates, and we lived in this little, <laughs> literally like a closet on uh, on East Sixth Street, where all the Indian restaurants are, like right smack in the middle of Little India, and uh, you know. And then we inevitably, you know, just in hanging out and being literally locked in a closet together all the time, started writing music and, you know, coming up with the whole, the vision of, of, of orange nine millimeter and like what, it, you know, 
what it was going to sound like, but also what it was, you know, going to look like as well, as far as like, you know, Chaka is a master of like, you know, graphics and, you know, coming from graffiti and all that, like, you know, he's great with, you know, fonts and letters and, you know, and, and when he has a vision, he's, he's spearheads it. And, and that's what he was doing with the band. Once we had a name, you know, we were trying to get something different, you know, and, and we also, but not just the name, but the sound as well. We, we, we wanted something, you know, we still wanted it to be heavy and, and relevant in that aspect, but we wanted it just a more dirty, like overdriven, like fuzzy, uh, you know, feedback and, you know, not, not so much like a power chord, hardcore chuggy thing. We, we, we're definitely, you know, and, and, and in that Chris trainer ended up being like the, the vision, like, you know, of, of a guitar player that we had. And we just started talking with him and Larry Gorman was the drummer as well. And he was, they were both in a band called Fountainhead. Um, and, and then another band, I forget the other band's name. Um, but both really good bands, you know, in, involved in the hardcore scene and, you know, active playing shows and stuff. And, um, and yeah, right. When, when we all met and, and jammed, it all just like clicked and, uh, and it was really cool. And it was, it was like a real cool, original, just different sound. You know, we, uh, Chris definitely understood and embraced the, 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 the getting away from the whole power chord chuggy thing and, and, and learning new chords and, and, you know, making, you know, making sounds out of feedback and, you know, off time signatures and stuff. And, uh, you know, as far as me with the bass, like I, I, I put away the bass that I previously used for like zero tolerance and I jumped on a, on a Fender, uh, PJ, you know, for just for a more classic sound. And I put a big muff on there and it got a big, crazy distorted sound that, you know, and just, just wanted that bass to, you know, just wanted to experiment with the sounds a lot more and, and just play with all these like odd time signatures and stuff. And, you know, but still have a heavy sound going. And, and at that point, yeah, there wasn't a lot of bands. I don't think doing that. And, uh, you know, like I said, yeah, Gavin's band, Die 116 and stuff, you know, uh, quicksand a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, maybe Unsane. Uh, but other than that, like, bands, you know, didn't really have that distorted bass or that, like, that sound. Yeah, like, I always got, like, like Helmet, like, this reminded yeah. me, like, you know, the, there's yeah. a lot of that vibe, the noisy but still has groove like um, there would be, I've seen Jesus lizard mentioned a lot with orange yeah, nine, yeah. early orange nine, like having, and I can, I can actually hear it in the guitars. Like how they're, like you said, there's like the, the, the dissonance a little bit. I can rattle off a lot of bands that, 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 that were heavily influenced as well that you probably maybe don't hear the influence in but please do you know yeah, me, and me and Chaka were literally like I said locked in this in this closet listening to music all the time and writing music and 
you know, and when we weren't doing that, we were just walking around in New York and, 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 you know, just trying to, trying to come up with ideas and, you know, and, and, and get the ball moving. Um, you know, bands we listened to back then, like, uh, the Sundays, you know, and, uh, you know, people, that was a big, big band that we all really liked a lot. Uh, Dr. Dre, the chronic just came out right then. <laughs> yeah. We were listening to that a lot. Like at first we were like, this is what some West coast was like, what? But then all of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, we were just listening to that shit a lot. Uh, shit. Even Allison chains, uh, record had come out kind of then as well. Uh, screaming trees. We were listening to a lot. Um, you know, and but we were also listening to all the hardcore and stuff of the time as well. You know, hardcore, you know, as you know, goes in ups and downs. It's like a wavelength almost. And and it was definitely, I feel like hardcore was in a little bit of a lull at that point. And uh, I don't know. It, it was going through some, you know, because I'm thinking 92, 93, 94. You know, yeah. by 92, you have you know, Gorilla Biscuits is done. Like I'm thinking even just yeah, yeah. to New all York, the, like all those yeah. bands were done or like even oh, AF. Some other project yeah. that was different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, it, you know, there was still a lot, a bunch of bands playing like, you know, that were, that were viable bands and stuff. But it seemed like when po- hardcore kind of came back, a lot of those bands dissipated too, you know, like uh, 25 to life was like kind of huge in that, that time or is i guess probably as huge as it you know in hardcore as it could be or whatever uh you know dark side i don't know if you guys remember them like uh that was sick you know uh the guys in the iceman from the iceman carl mosher's band m13 uh those guys were sick man i actually jammed with them for a good little bit too but we just never ended up you know actually playing shows and whatnot So you guys, you get the lineup, uh, Chaka, yourself, Chris Trainer, Larry Gorman. You start writing songs. Um, this the, pretty much immediately had four songs right off the rip. And it was oh, the four okay. songs on, on here, these yeah. four. So do, yeah. well, there's yeah. no demo or anything, right? Like this is the demo, no. basically? Yeah, we, we were we immediately, like, as soon as we had locked those songs down, we immediately went to Don Fury's. Don was our homie, and you know he he's he's the revelation, you know, all star. Yeah, yeah. At least really to me, in my mind, to me, no, he is. He's Don he's, Fury is like the ultimate of revelation. You know, stardom. I mean, yeah, he, he's he's on more revelation records than anyone else that's a good <laughs> point <laughs> yeah like he's to revelation right. what like don yeah. zintara is to discord yeah. or Spock he's like the recurring SST. member of all yeah. these bands that you know i don't know so Do yeah you, much, uh, much love to don always you know he's uh he's he saw the vision in it too that we had i i feel like it you know, he understood the sound we were going for it, and I felt like knew how to capture it. You know, I, he understood like, you know, just certain technical things, you know, like putting a fuzz on a bass eliminates a lot of the low end of a bass, you know, and he knew how to compensate for that in recordings and, and, and do a lot of stuff. And he just made it makes, uh, to me, 
I know other people have had rough experiences with Don, you know, recording. Uh, you know, I, I, you probably have heard some stories from other bands or whatever. But to me, you know, I, I had been in there a few times. That was my first time in there. But I had no, I have nothing but like good review to give Don, man. I mean, he's he made me more than comfortable playing in there, and uh, just the I, I don't know. I it's a super it, it was a super comfortable studio to me. It was really exciting to you know I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's literally no. or was literally you know down in Little Italy on a little side street, and you literally pull up an iron grate and walk down into this basement and there you are in this famous studio where you know every badass hardcore band has ever recorded and you know it was, it was very humbling to be in there and but you know like i said he he was such a friendly just great dude that he he didn't you know there was no ego where you felt intimidated or or i don't know yeah, yeah, well, I, I feel like the, the recurring theme when we're talking to people about recording with Don is that like he really because we actually haven't had anybody say they had a bad experience. Like when you're saying that, like nobody on here, unless I'm forgetting something like everybody. Not on, not, I, I, not no one that I don't I haven't listened to all your stuff, uh, uh, honestly. And I, they probably wouldn't mind because they said it on a, on a, on a, on Chris's podcast on the NCS one. Uh, I, Snapcase had a bad experience. There. That's right. I did hear that uh, Snapcase, but like most, m that's like a rare occurrence because I feel yeah, like yeah. Don. I agree. You know, agree. he he seemed to also encourage the growth and the musicality of a lot of these people. That you know, you got to think someone like Walter or Porcel, like he met these guys when they were kids and yep. like kind of watching them. Cause he's a couple years older. Right. And like Absolutely. these bands yep. evolve and it's like, he was along for the ride. Like, you know, we talked to Mike judge yep. last episode and, you know, Don was encouraging him with the old smoke stuff. Like he wasn't like, it, it just seemed like he was like a person that was. So really Don, to Don is, it wasn't necessarily like a hardcore dude. You know, he was yeah. more of a rock and roller. You know, he was, he, you know, if you saw him on the street, you know, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's the dude that recorded every badass hardcore record you ever heard. You know, he, he, you'd be like, oh, that dude's, you know, he's a rock and roller, you know, kind of dude. You, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't picture that from him, which, you know, so he, he was involved in a lot of different facets of music. He wasn't just doing hardcore stuff, you know, right. I mean, that, that's his fame, but he, he was, and he also, you know, you could just tell by, you know, his excitement level in music. And when you would do something a little outside of the box, he was always, you know, there to, to, you know, promote that, yeah. and, you know, wanted you to go with that or, you know, explore that, you know, which, which I think has a lot to do with just him yeah, being musically open-minded to so many different genres of music. Yeah. I mean, I, I like that. And I like, you know, we're in the era now in the, in the rev catalog where there's a lot of people doing things that are, you know, outside of the norm for what people would expect from hardcore and from revelation yeah. just as a label. Um, you know, like we said, we had old Mike judge and old smoke. We had, uh, 
into another and and now this record so when you guys when you guys did this these songs was it originally intended for a demo was it originally intended to be like on revelation like like hey burn was on revelation so yeah that's uh, what i was gonna ask too like was it just immediately like this is going to be on revelation we're gonna make these four songs this is what's gonna happen yeah absolutely um chaka is good friends with jordan and that that was the immediate you know we we honestly like we just wanted to start playing like immediately and like we we are you know in between burn and that like it wasn't like some long hiatus but it was like a frustrating hiatus like where like you know at, at least it, i i, I don't want to speak for chaka but i i feel like i can a little bit we were like we had a lot of energy and we were just like ready to throw it down. And, and it, it just, we felt like we we're, you know, I, I don't want to say hamstring, but we, we, you know, we, we were just ready. So, yeah. you know, we we're, we were constantly in that, that room we were in. And if we weren't writing music, you know, we we're, you know, Chaka was writing lyrics or we were listening to something because like, Oh, I like this, you know, I like the way these guys do this or, you know, or, you know, whatever it was we it was total determination and total focus on the band and we were just ready and yeah so you can was, you can hear it i think in this record like yeah it, it I think comes so too. right out the gate like you know there's no it, i mean even just the way it starts like it just sounds like like yo we're ready we wanted right it here. to sound yeah like a train just blasting off or yeah. a rocket or you know like we wanted to come out big and 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 heavy, but but heavy, like I said, in a different way. Not a not a crunchy heavy. Not a I don't know. Not a metally heavy. I guess. You know, yeah. Not, just different, I guess. Yeah, and it is. What um can you tell us about your first show? I pulled up the flyer, and it was an Amnesty International benefit, and the lineup for it was Sick of It All. Black Train Jack, Endpoint, yeah. Spoken Word with Ray Capo and Walter. And then it says Orange Nine Millimeter debut performance. Yeah. And we, we played those four songs and it was just wham, bam. Ripped those four songs and, and it was it was awesome and everyone was loving it. and uh, Yeah, it was on fire. It yeah. was a great show. It was obviously it was a huge show for a first show. You know, we yeah. were, we were <laughs> super fortunate to to you know be friends with and and know a lot of people that that were already doing big things. You know, and and yeah. Rory, Rory once again, God bless her. You know, she she was a, a show promoter, and you know, she constantly had us in the mix of of things. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I I went to high school in Northern Virginia, and I actually saw a flyer for this show in Northern oh, Virginia. Yeah. So that's how that's how oh, big God. they promoted shows. You know, I mean, back then, yeah. when there were shows, it wasn't such a I don't know. It wasn't something where you could just easily find the information for all shows. And flyers yeah, yeah. seemed to be distributed a little bit wider, and so I thought yeah. that was funny. But um, what do you remember from the artwork and in the layout of putting this together? So I really didn't have a lot to do with that. You know, I'll, I'll reference back to what I was saying. Chaka, you know, came up doing graffiti and all that stuff and was heavily involved in all that 
scene and whatnot. And, you know, he, he had a vision and I totally entrusted that vision to him because we were, you know, we were tight homies and his vision was my vision as well. You know, yeah. um, we, we were, we were on the same page as far as that was concerned. And, uh, yeah, he would, he would come up with, with stuff and, and show it to me. And it was like, damn, that's fucking awesome, man. Like, there's, you know, there's just no, no disputing that. So we just would literally like it. everything he created was just look great. For yeah, me, first, the first thing created was the shirt. The, uh, it was a charcoal gray shirt, you know, with the gun on it and uh, with the Glock and, and then with a light bulb on the reverse side. Okay. Okay. I think I, yeah, I, I own think that I shirt. That That's Chaco, the first shirt. Chaco yep. loves to put guns on shirts. <laughs> right? There's that burn shirt with the like yeah. machine gun on it and uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the orange nine. I think he just likes to spark, you know, the, the you know, whatever controversy kind of or whatever. The, <laughs> whether that's a big well for this band it fits i mean the name's orange nine millimeter yeah 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 yeah. you know like absolutely uh to me the artwork is like strikingly different than anything on rev up to this point right with the the bright blue and the pink it just like if you line up one through 31 just all the little squares this one it's like brighter it's it's different. The back cover even is like a little bit totally um, intentional. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. I really like like I like the look of this record and the feel. It's very clean looking. Yeah. It's a very artistic. Uh I I, I think it's a really uh like I said, striking record to look at. I agree. I love the layout. I love the I love the rev logo on the on front the front. Yeah. Too. Like I, I love and you know, it just looks great as a 12 inch. Like I love 12 inch EPs. I think they sound great. And um it's now the third one on Rev, right? We got statue, creepy yep. EP. Creepy EP and this, this one. Yep. And this. Mm-hmm. I yeah. to me it, it, I I I I've said this before. I'm so fucking lazy. I hate listening to seven inches now because you gotta flip it over so quick. <laughs> it's like it's like three to five minutes of music. But a 12-inch EP, you know, you're looking at seven, eight minutes of music, and it gives me, like, maybe more time to wash yeah. dishes or vacuum yeah. or whatever I'm doing while I'm <laughs> listening to records. Was, was Get into conversation. I've, I've had the conversation a bunch about, and this doesn't directly relate to what you're saying, but just how music was written a little differently, you know, in the vinyl age. You know, it, you, when you wrote a record, you know, you had to have the intention of, of – of an ending, you know, halfway through your writing and then this new beginning for the, you know, side two and yeah. then the ultimate ending at the very end. And, yeah. and a lot of people, you know, just after the CD age, you know, that, that kind of got lost. And, uh, I, I hopefully through like the, just the whole vinyl resurgence that comes back a little bit, like that intentional writing style. Cause I, I, to me, I thought that I, I just, that's my best memories of, you know, as a kid of listening to records, it's like, Oh, you know, like, Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe this record starts off so good, you know, in the beginning, but God side two, it's like, you know, it's like a whole new record. And, you know, you had to intentionally, you know, 
start side two with where you left off kind of, or, you know, or, or, or completely different or whatever intent you, you just had to have more thought put into that. And, you know, kind of a lost little lost thing with due to the CBH. Hopefully it comes back. I, I thought it was yeah, we, we provided touched. for good storytelling and like uh, just, I don't know the album yeah. experience itself too. Also too, you know, when you bought a record, you, you also bought a piece of artwork, you know, like, yeah, it's a big piece of artwork, you know, and to, to minimize it, you know, like, you know, the, like the detail, you know, and this is not, you know, nothing to do with hardcore, but like, you know, like a journey, you know, cover all detailed spaceship or something. And then to shrink it down to like a little five by five or, yeah. you know, dimensions are, you know, it just does a disservice to the, to the actual art itself. I feel like. Oh, definitely. We totally, and we, we talk about the artwork and stuff a lot on here. Yeah. Uh, and, and cool. even just with the sides of vinyl, like we did the Mike judge and old smoke, like the way that was, set up was you know they have the acoustic stuff on the first side and then the second side is uh you know the kind of the full band stuff and that would that would get lost um you know kind of gets lost in like you said like the cd or the spotify yeah. age yeah because you don't see that it's these two you know almost like separate pieces that go Absolutely. together so yep. you play, you start playing in 93 or the playing live in 93 and then by uh, Orange Nine's second album in 95, you're no longer in the band. And I was, I, I, yeah, I was, I was, I had left the band pretty early on. I just had a lot of shit going on. You know, I, <laughs> after, you know, I was living in Chaka's with, with Chaka and then, uh, I, I had lost my job and I just kind of fell into desperate times and I left and I went back to Buffalo. Uh, not for a long time, but long enough that I, I couldn't remain in the band. And I, I just, yeah, I got myself in a bad place and ended up kind of just dismissing myself from the band, I guess. Um, which I, which I always regretted a little bit, but at the same time, it just, I, that was where, where I was. I, I knew I couldn't, I had all this other shit going on and I just knew I couldn't focus my full attention on the band. And that's, you know, the band needed someone that was gonna, and, and I just knew in my head that that wasn't me at that point. Uh, uh, but not too long after you started playing in another band, correct? Well, I, I played in a couple bands in between there. Um, one of them was just just some old friends that you know I had played in a couple uh, local bands back from Buffalo with, and then another one was a really awesome ass project actually that I almost wish had come to fruition because it was insane and. At the time, it didn't seem as crazy, but now looking back in retrospect is like a super group. But it was uh, so the guys from Outface from Ohio had had moved to New York, uh, Derek and uh, Charlie Grieva, uh -huh. and uh, and they were kind of jamming with uh, 
but they didn't have a bass player and they were jamming with uh, Sammy Siegler and doing some of the outface stuff and that hadn't been released and then just writing some new music as well. And I started playing with them and it was awesome. Wow. Oh man, that sounds, that sounds sick. That is sick. It was sick. It was really cool. And, uh, you know, at, Right as as we are starting to kind of just like progress a little bit is when Siv came came to be and then Charlie and, and Sammy kind of were focused on that. And then um, I ran into Toby just on the street and I knew Toby from Sick of It All. Obviously, I already told you we had played a bunch with them. So I knew Toby for years via them and uh he was like, dude, man, I'm finally going to like make this band. Um, and you know, I, I had already known of the, what H2O was, you know, it mm-hmm. was, you know, sick of it all made this song. My love is real for Toby to go and create a band with. And, uh, and yeah, I ended up linking up with them and then it's funny. Yeah. So Derek actually was roadieing with us a whole bunch because he didn't have anything going on then. And then we started playing with Siv a bunch and toured with them. And um, so it turned into a big, happy crew of people hanging out and playing together. And I mean, that's by most people I, I, that, I mean, that first H2O is like, that's, that's the one, right? Like, from, you know, right that's, on that's the record yeah i mean yeah. like i'm not trying to be disrespectful or anything but that's that's the record i mean most people that you know that have known of the band since the inception and 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 they know that they have those shirts that said i only like the first record <laughs> they, 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 they they um they they have a sense of self-awareness so i don't think it's yeah. I'm talking out of turn but um with with the orange nine i am looking and you know it does list. It says it has. Uh, is it David or David? David. Yeah. Uh, Jen. David. Um okay. As bass, and then it has you. It says all bass tracks. So you're on the record. When you were in the band, was there already that like any major label interest? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Mike Gitter was just kind of hanging around and seeing what was going on a bunch. Uh, there was a couple other people I can uh, trying to think of their names, uh, but he was the main guy that was really interested in, and, and saw the vision and like understood it and, you know, was embracing of it more, more so than anyone else. Yeah. I think cause around that time, I feel like I remembered hearing the first band he actually ended up signing was Jawbox, and that would have been around the same time. Yeah, yeah, I'm not positive. Yeah, that's yeah. could be. Uh, but I knew he had a connection to um, to Orange Nine. Yeah. Um, so that makes sense. So uh, one of the things we we do on here uh, is we have a thing called Hot Tracks. Uh, when, we, when we're at, you know at the end, where we all say what our you know favorite track is for someone that played on the record, it could be your favorite one. You just have a great memory of 
writing it or recording it or playing it live where you just think it's the best song on the record. So, um, and then we usually talk a little bit about uh, why. So I figure I'm going to defer. Absolutely. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Cutting and draining. Yeah. That, that song just, just loved playing it. It just had that like off quirky kind of thing. And, uh, and we had that song and, you know, I, that was kind of one of the, one of the first ones when we were, when we were playing that, that Chaka came up with the lyrics for. And when he started singing that shit, oh my God, we all just started jumping around doing youth crew jumps and like, he just <laughs> got us so pumped. It was, he just pulled that, like the, the vocal pattern and all this thing like i it was just an unimaginable it was nothing like anything like i what i imagined he, and I, and i feel stupid for for thinking that that are, are just even you know n- not thinking or knowing that chaka would come up with some badass crazy shit you know so uh that's my favorite yeah oh, I, yeah. I i think his 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 vocal patterns on this stuff are so good to me. Like yeah, I was, I agree. I was, you know, I, I, I hadn't, I listened to this record often actually. Um, because like I, I have, you know, I've been doing this thing where I play CDs in the car instead of like fumbling around my phone. So I, I have this, one of the few CDs I have is this slip case. So it's in there a lot. And, um, but I hadn't really sat down and like read the lyrics while playing it and then i i did you know in prep for this and i was like his his patterns and his delivery are just so fucking good on this like it's i don't know yeah. how i don't know how anybody well that like he, you, you know only likes burn I, I like i don't to me people that only like burn and don't like fuck with orange nine millimeter especially the first couple records um I, it doesn't compute for me because I just think it's Chaka definitely wanted the, the vocals to be as erratic and like breaky as the, the music was too, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, but also it, it, it seemed like also not trying to dabble lyrically in like the whole world events thing too, and, and bring it in that more, I don't know, more personal kind of, you know, but also as crazy as the music too, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they're real upfront. That's also, also kind of goes to the whole idea of, you know, the little world pattern thing. Yeah. We, we had this like vision back then that like the music was going to kind of be like that like every member of the band was kind of like this, one of those parallel lines or like a centrifugal force kind of thing where we're all in each playing something different that's rotating in maybe some kind of off time, but eventually all meets up in this like circular kind of pattern. And that was an intentional way we wanted to write the music. And that's why, you know, like I said before, Chris, you know, was really honed in on playing these, you know, crazy chords and utilizing noises. And, you know, I was doing the, the more stop, be start kind of, you know, just started fuzzed out thing. And, you know, Larry on the drums was doing his thing. And then, 
and then Chaka, obviously, like, yeah, blew yeah. us fucking away on cutting and draining with that. Yeah. yeah. I love the and, the drum fills on cutting and draining. That whole thought process of writing, too. So, yeah, yeah. The, like the band's on fire on that, on that cutting and draining. Like I said, the, the drum fills yeah. and uh, the stop and start stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jason. Yo. What's your hot track? I'm going to go driver. It's just, it's got that, you know, I mean, the chorus is just unstoppable. I mean, who can't relate to that? And I got, and we're talking about Chaka's vocal delivery. And I know another, I saw that one of the influences he cited was a tribe called quest, but his vocal delivery reminds me of KRS ones mm. on this. Just that, totally. like, you know, I can, it's, we it's definitely got like, listen to a lot of tribe inside that little room. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We definitely did that. But uh it's just real commanding and it's got that you know this is this is Chaka's new band from Orange 9. Boom. I want to live, you know. Yeah. It's just awesome. But Wait, Chaka uh, I think from, Chaka from Orange 9 was in Orange 9. Did I say Chaka from Orange 9? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sorry about that. But yeah, start to finish I like this whole EP. Oh yeah. Defer to Hoff next. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be the outlier here, and my hot track is Dry, um, kicks off side two, right? And um, the lyrics on this song, uh, especially when he says, nothing else matters when you're floating on the sky. Like, there's just also something about the like repetitive nature kind of of the, of the chorus that when you first hear it, you're like, is he saying dry or is he saying cry? And you like really have to pay attention. And so uh, dry just kind of always like sucked me in. And uh, definitely that's my hot track. It's uh, uh, kind of not really in my nature to have something different, right? But- uh, (laughs) How do you know it's different? I didn't give mine yet. That's Uh, true. Yeah, What what is your hot track, Greg? Well, it, it, I'm not being different here and it's driver (laughs) (laughs) driver driver was the first, uh, orange nine song I heard because it was, I got this EP and, um, I just think it's such a killer way to open the record. Um, like I said earlier, it comes right out the gate and there's that video on YouTube where they, um, and I don't know if, I don't know what year it is or whatever, but the crowd is just like, bouncing uh while during that song and it just makes you want to just like jump in the screen and (laughs) time travel back to then in that crowd opener at that first show and that's literally how it went down though and that's when you know you have a great song here's this this song that no you know people didn't hear they didn't have a cd in their hand or vinyl and you come right out and it's just like, you got to move. I've never heard this band, but yo, it's, it's Chaka from orange nine. You got. Uh, uh, Chaka from from orange nine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Lord forgive me. Gotcha. It's Chaka from burn. You got Eric from ZT and and, Chris and, and just this, this, you know, almost like a super group there. Yeah. And, And that song is just, that chorus, as soon as I heard I want to live the first time, I was like, this rules. Um, yeah. And uh, I mean, I'll be, I'll be real. This, this is my favorite Orange Nine 
stuff. Um, Hell yeah. Bless and uh, I was so glad Amen. that uh, Rev recently did the, the repress of this 12 inch. Yeah. Uh, so that people could get it. It just needs to go up on streaming now. Yeah. Yeah, it does. What the I heck? don't know why it's not on there. It was for a while. Um, but it needs it needs to go up there because two of these songs are not on the uh, driver LP, and I actually I love the the driver LP, but like I want this on there. I want to yeah. listen to these four songs, the Don Fury recording. I, yeah. I really feel like Don Fury is the is was the the missing link in in that one and the next one. Yeah. Well, it, it's it's funny because, like I said, I, I love the Driver record, and I actually I love Tragic, and and I I even like pretend I'm human, um, and I'm excited to hear the remix. There's like a whole like they remastered or remixed it, and supposedly has a a different sound. They recently um, it went on sale. Uh, the name of the label escapes me. It's overseas. Yeah. Because um, that album was never on vinyl. Uh, and they, they're the same one that did tragic recently because tragic was never uh, on vinyl and um driver they did with dave jordan who did like social distortion and jane's addiction and uh all that stuff but i like the sound of this don fury recording yeah it's definitely the that. most the most raw and it's very urgent sounding yeah yeah so it's interesting sometimes sometimes you can't you know, you go and you think you, you, you get the – and I don't know what their, their experience was like working with Dave Jordan, and, and I would have totally done the same thing because I would have been like, fuck, this guy did Ritual De Lo Habitual. Like, yeah, sign yeah. me up. Let me record with him. But something about that Don Fury sound, the rawness, but still has a great sound, uh, doesn't sound dated. So yeah. this this record is the one. Yeah. So Jason, I know you had That's something that, else bro. real quick. Yeah, so not music related, but tattoo related. Um, where can people yeah. find you to um, if they want to get some work done? Or I, I work at Southern Star Tattoo in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, right in Little Five Points, right in the middle of the coolest part of Atlanta. Um, Southern Star Tattoo. That's our Instagram or Facebook. Awesome website via that. I got a okay. new band coming too soon. Oh, what's Drifter. awesome? Tell us about that. Drifter? Yeah, I, uh, it's called Drifter. Um, it's an instrumental three piece. Um, I, you might you might really like it actually because I uh, intentionally, you know, with with H two O, I never really got to continue the use of that bass sound that I had in you know, for that orange nine record, um, you know, that, that wasn't really the sound of H2O, you know, that wasn't right. If I had a big fuzzed out bass. Yeah. I don't know if you guys would have liked that first record. The same. Yes. You were like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, but so, you know, so I went with the more traditional, just kind of clean hardcore bass sound for H2O, but, uh, I never got to, that was one thing I always regretted too, you know, with the orange nine thing as I, I, you know, I had that bass sound at that point and I loved it and I never got to go further with that. But this band, I'm actually going forth with that. Um, it's an instrumental three piece right now. It's, it's, it's got some hardcore in there and some heavy doomishness and some, 
stoner jamminess as well. Uh, we're doing our first show. Like- I think it's going to be in July, at the end of July, hopefully, if everything goes according to yeah. the plan. And uh, yeah, I'll keep you guys posted on that. Awesome. Yeah, please do. We're excited yeah. to hear it. Thank you Absolutely. so much uh, for coming on and talking to us about this record. Yeah. I love that and, shirt um, too, by the way. Thank you. Some of my best <laughs> Oasis memories were in the back of the tour bus with the, with the Civ guys, uh, with H2O in, in Europe. And, and that was, that was, well, we listened to a lot of that in the back of that tour bus. That, nice. That's awesome. Oh, what yeah. a great, what, just what a great time. Like I, yeah. I get nostalgic thinking about that. That was 1995. Yeah. Like that's just like, you know, that was some of the best times of my yeah. life. We're definitely in that time yeah, frame. Yeah. I agree with that. So, all right, Eric. Yeah, thanks, thanks, you so much. thanks for joining thanks for joining us uh, this will go up on uh, Wednesday just talked to Eric from Orange Nine Millimeter, and we're lucky enough to have be joined now by the man himself, Jordan Cooper. And Jordan, we just have a couple questions about Hi. Orange Nine Millimeter. If you're if you're keen, uh, tell us about Chaka coming to you and being like, "Hey, I got a new band. I got a new record. Let's do this." I don't remember the specifics of that, but I think uh, I mentioned recently, well, maybe last time we talked, that a lot of times the bands would A&R themselves. And, you know, I, I had known Chaka for a while since since Burn and going to shows with them. Um, so when I heard, you know, I'm sure when he told me about the new band, uh, you know, I'm sure that was just uh, automatic, you know. So I was told that they sent you demos of the songs with no vocals. Okay, yeah, I, I, like I said, I don't really remember. I, I remember the my memory is when I heard when I first heard the vocals. Uh, that's that's my biggest memory. So I thought the vocals were really intense, and you know, that had it had a lot of power, and that's that's my memory of. That's my earliest memory of, of Orange Nine, and that guitar riff is is really cool. And I think it's in the first song. Um, but yeah, I don't remember how you know the specifics of how 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 that unfolded. Okay. But yeah. So great, um, great songs. Yeah, I mean, we were we were saying earlier, like all four songs are great. Like this is another one of those records. Um, and I, I, I was saying too that I love twelve-inch EPs. Um, 
And it's just one of those records where for when we did hot tracks, like any of like, there's not one song. I don't think that where you'd be like, really, you pick that. Like every song is super um, strong. Um, And Eric mentioned too, that like right out the gate, they had like people like, you know, you guys Rev did the EP, but he said even, um, you know, when he was still in the band, which he plays on the record, but by the time of the release, he wasn't in the group. Um, but he said there was already like interest from the bigger labels. Like it was just like that era of, of the nineties where, you know, any band like coming from the scene could usually get like looked at, you know? Yeah. You just reminded me that I, I think they were in the same management and maybe even on the same label that Siv the band was. And, okay. um, and before the, re- before, you know, we started working on the record. I don't, you know, we, and, and uh, before we even got to put it out, the, <laughs> their manager had uh, already gotten them hooked up with Atlantic or one of those big labels. So I think, we it was jointly released somehow like you know we got to press ours but then they took over for a number of years and then we um then we started pressing it again later okay yeah because i was gonna say the copy i have here well i have the you know the fun little cd in the cardboard and then this is the 2020 uh pressing um is there a reason we, we it came up in the interview this isn't on streaming yeah, it was, but uh, then Chaka called and and he asked me I, he asked me if we wanted to do a reissue. So uh, I asked him about the rights, and he said the rights had reverted to them. So uh, yeah, we took it down and we got ready to do the vinyl, and they never they never put the the digital up. Interesting. Uh, okay. Oh, because it needs to, it needs to be. We were saying like I'm sure he'll get to it. You know, it's just uh, they they've got to work out. You know, they don't want to do anything where they're going to get uh, in any kind of legal issues with Atlantic, right? I, I, you know, they just have to find their agreement and see that the that the digital rights actually do revert to them after a certain number of years. I think okay. into another is in that boat also with Hollywood that we're trying to figure that out also. Yes, which we're excited that the vinyl was on Rev, so we get to do an episode on that incredible album, yeah. Seamless. Um, um, I'm excited to hear hear some talk about that. Some of my favorite songs are on that record. Oh yeah, same. But the uh, the Orange Nine too. Did you? So what did you did you hear Driver like the album the the Atlantic debut when it when it came out like. Um, I heard it. yeah, I'm sure I heard it. And and we put, I think we helped put out a later EP from Orange Nine through another label that might have been a friend of Chaka's. Oh, yeah, that Godzilla, I think the Godzilla one or something like that. I, 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 I think Ultraman, I that too. Ultraman versus Godzilla. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. That rings a bell, but I, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we distributed it or something or helped press it. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Ultraman that rings a bell, Javier. Do you remember anything about the um, layout of this record? Yep. Uh, Eric that, didn't that's have the only thing I really remember. Um, oh, so, dish. And, and I probably wouldn't have remembered if it, if I hadn't found the papers recently. But 
Um, I, I was going through something. Yeah, when we were when we were doing this new vinyl reissue, all that I think that entire layout is. Does it say? Yeah, I guess it, that wouldn't help. I think we had to redo that whole cover because the Ooh. or whatever was lost. So um, I went through the files to find all the imagery. Of course, we couldn't find the rhino photo, which was taken by I think that's also by Chaka's father. Um, and but in the in the folder was just hand scrawled layout by Chaka, and, you know, saying what goes where. He he designed the entire thing um, in stick figure form, kind of the way Purcell designed the uh, Rev 17. I don't know if we covered that. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the way things were done, like over the phone describing or, or just somebody would draw it out on a, on a piece of paper and, and somebody who had access to layout uh, software would, would finish it for them. And a lot of times that would be me um, in the early days. So mm -hmm. that's, that's how the Orange Dime layout was done, just Chaka Scribbles. We said it's you do really, have the credit. It's it's you. Uh, it Chaka credits uh, and Jordan. Chaka, Chris, and Jordan. Yeah, cool. we said yeah, it was so maybe Chaka and Chris sat down in New York and then mailed it to me. Yeah, we said it's interesting too that the Rev logo is on the front of this record and not the back. You know, no, it's on the back too. Right, but like it's one of the only ones I think that's on the actual front of the record. That's yeah, cool. I, think I wouldn't have gone for that, but they they did the layout and it, and because it was a twelve inch EP and it, I don't think we had ever. I guess we'd done one with into another before that. Um, anyway, I think they were going for um, uh, what do you call it? Like uh, I think they were trying for a particular look that may be influenced by something where the the label or something would be on the front. Mm. Okay, maybe mm. an original idea. I don't I don't know. Man, if only we maybe could have some talked, of the jazz If only we could have talked to someone yeah. who put the layout together to to confirm this. Chaka, Chaka, and Chris, just let us know because we do. We we no, we nerd out about this layout stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. Maybe and we'll, we'll talk about it in their interview. I haven't listened to that yet. On the, uh, on the F with me F podcast. with me podcast. Yes. Yep, check out F on with the, me. That's on the YouTube. <laughs> I, I saw the I saw the F with me, but I didn't know it was a podcast. I, I got to listen to that. It's yeah. more of a show. It's a, it's on a it's on YouTube and it's uh it's video. So it's not. I think it started out as F with me podcast, and now I think it's just called F with me. But that's right. Um, yeah, because it's a it's a it's like a YouTube uh, extravaganza. Yeah, it's a show. Yeah. yeah, I like the the logo. You know, the artwork looks cool. I got to listen. I got to check it out. And Chris yeah. Schindler, I never. I, I don't. I may have talked to him back in the day. He apparently was in a band with guys from Texas is the reason. And, um, yes. he was along. Um, but I, I never got to know him until a few years ago when Scott Weingart opened a restaurant and we both ha ran into each other there. Um, but he is, he is a super nice guy. And, um, I kind of went back and listened to the guitar on, on that EP and, um, I, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's apparently a great guitar player now. I I don't listen to the 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 newer bands that he's done, but um, you know he's kind of like Tom Capone. He started out in doing hardcore and and uh, you know maybe he did metal too. I don't know, but uh, that Orange Nine, the the riffs on the Orange Nine stuff are great. Yeah, yeah, because it is like a kind of thing too, where it's like uh, you know you have Burn and you have gavin who is like one of the best guitar players so it's cool that like chaka did another band with another super innovative 
great guitar player. Like it's, it, it he didn't miss oh, yeah. a beat, you know, yeah, like he, and, and, and Chris and, and, yeah, and just got to mention Todd youth and that group as well. Just like a guy that started out playing hardcore and, and that's up, right. Could play anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to Chris. Oh, I was going to say now Chris is in the band Bush. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, the big deal. I wanted to ask about the layout for the photo, the rhinoceros going back to that. Is that a full size photo that was cropped down? I don't remember, but I, I think, it, I think that was, fr- I think it was shot that way. Mm, okay. Super close up. Okay, cool. I, I was interested to see that. that photo too. I mean, how would you get that close to a rhino? I mean, unless you had a tall photo lens. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Uh, there's, there's this, a little bit of, um, talk about the the photo and the layout on a no echo interview if you google no echo um and orange nine millimeter together it'll pull up um an article where carlos talked to chaka and it was right around the time of the reissue so there's uh some some cool little history and shinfo in there about that which is that's awesome. I, no Echo, man, it's so funny. I'll be thinking about something and then I'll Google it and No Echo did a story about it like yep. two, two years ago. And I'm like, yes, ah, Carlos is already <laughs> always on top of it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, he's one of those people that's just so, I don't know where he has the time to do all that he does. Yeah. But like he's got, he probably has um, more work to do than, than you know, anyway, he's got a lot of stuff on his plate and a family and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know so what? What, what, what was uh, the question? Was it, was it about the inside photo? Yeah, he says um, that his father had taken a photo. Uh, let's see. My father had taken a photo that appeared on the cover of Black Enterprise magazine that very month, and the doctor at the hospital recognized my father's name and asked if it was the same photographer who had taken that picture. And uh, the doctor ended up waving the bill for uh, whatever he was in there therefore so um yeah uh Ptahotep is a very accomplished photographer and made his his photos made his way into you know a lot of good stuff that's in the hardcore wow. I, i'm surprised i've never looked him up i should check that out yeah you know what the musically this record reminds me a lot of is another band that had a record on revelation later on uh but they're they have a few seven inches that were compiled onto a 12 inch that was put out by indecision records. And that band is called spark marker. And they had kind of that driving. It sounds like if you were to put a quicksand record on 45 instead of 33. So it's like, you know, a little bit, a little bit faster and like a little bit, um, but it's got that same groove. And uh, what I hear in it sometimes too, is that just, like the, the subtle bass distortion, like Eric was talking about. But I just wanted to throw that in there. And Spark Marker was kind of around the same time, actually. Like some of it was like 92, 93, the first record came out. And then I think the, the Rev record, um, is it, Jordan, is it called 500 Watt Halo? Burner. 500 Watt Burner. Is that a Rev or is that a Crisis? It's Rev. Uh, that one's Rev. And then I oh. think they might have. Something on crisis. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, we'll get, I don't know. I, we'll actually, get to a deep dive. It might yeah. be the other way. Uh, yeah, and 
because uh, that might have been a Rob Moran signing, and uh, yeah, and that, so that might have been Crisis. But then later they had a, a, a something come out on on Rev. But yeah, it was five hundred watt burner at seven. I'm so looking okay. it up right now. Okay. Uh, Rev seventy six was Spark Marker Treasure Chest, which I think is kind of a you know a, a co- compilation of dead ends. So. Yes, I think you're right, actually, that the, the other album was a, a crisis thing. Um, and yeah. that, that <laughs> features uh, the guitar player of Spark Margaret had taken over vocal duties. So the one that's on Indecision actually has an actual singer. And then when they moved to Rev, the guitar player was singing. So it has a little bit of a different sound. Wow. That's just the shinfo that I have. <laughs> and, we will, and we will we'll get, and we'll there. get there. Yes. Yeah, we will get there. What does the shinfo mean? Shinfo is an acronym. Uh, well, not, maybe not even an acronym, a conjunction that means shitty information. It just uh, kind of is like useless yeah. knowledge that takes up space in my brain. Okay. Not questionable knowledge, just like unnecessary knowledge. Yeah, unnecessary. Yeah, like it's like... <laughs> Like, like, why would we know these things? Like, yeah. I'll, like, I'll miss an appointment tomorrow, but I remember this spark marker record from 1992. Yeah. Yes, I always fair. liked when I, I have to say when I had this CD, that I always thought this was a cool band photo. Like, oh yeah, uh, which I, we didn't talk that. about. The There's photo. somebody that sort of, uh, I think the photographer who took that it ended up doing a lot of st- a lot of video stuff, maybe or John Mockus is yeah, the name. He might have done some quicksand videos. I like that orange nine millimeter world logo that they they came up with. Yeah, I like that too. Same, but I, and I love that. There's it's so this picture to me was very nineties. You have overalls. Uh, They're back. Know, they now are it's back. 20, yeah, now it's twenty twenty one. But um, um, yeah, cool shot. I, I can't tell where this is. It looks like it's like um, I guess it's on the street. Uh, Cause you see lights, it's like blurry, but it's, I always thought it was a cool shot. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Um, Jordan, what'd you think about, did you have the concept of creating this post hardcore genre when you were, when you signed orange nine millimeter? Oh no. I don't know if I worded that well. Were you aware that, I mean, you have into another, <laughs> you have into another quicksand orange nine millimeter no, and those we, are kind of the we just followed what the bands were doing. You know, Walter came to me with a quicksand record and, you know, I, I don't remember it just, you know, like every band was a new thing. So the quicksand, Walter probably told me I got this new band quicksand and he, and I think we, we thought of it as something different than hardcore, but listening to it now, it's, it's just like more technical hard. you know, it is, it is different, but it still could be called hardcore. Anyway, right. into, into another was really the first band where I, where I felt like we were branching out, um, and, and that what they were they were doing something totally uh, different. And and then Mike Judge solo record, um, which how was that interview? <laughs> Sorry. It was awesome. Yeah, I would I would uh, if there's one that you're gonna play that you haven't heard, I would definitely recommend the Mike Judge. He's I mean he's just an incredible guy. But um, it got it got deep, as yeah. as we say. Like, yeah, it was yeah, it was a really a deep time in his life. Yeah, it was yes. a good, it was a good talk about a, a really misunderstood record. Um, and we had a lot of people 
message us being like, hey, yo, I, I listened to this for either either for the first time ever, because you can listen to it, it's on streaming, um, or like I listened to this for the first time since 1993, and, the, and people were like, I, I kind of get it now, um, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I I was like I think I mentioned what Purcell was the one behind that uh, getting on Revelation and uh, Purcell did not describe it well, but uh, when I got it, I you know I appreciate it and I, I like it for what it is. Purcell referred to it as a blues record. Yeah, we did. We brought that we brought that up in the uh, interview because I remember that and I said like it was like a typical like you know young person. Well, it's a guy with a guitar and. Blues, yeah, but Why I not? mean the lyric. I guess it is there. It is a blues record. Oh um, yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, so so sorry to change the subject, but um, I got to listen to that. Am I dropping the the ball here? No, no, no not at all. No, was it actually, was it exciting was to you? Yeah. Was it as exciting to you as it was to? Oh, you were asking me about the genre stuff. So yeah, like, yeah. I, I I think I, I've said this in a lot of interviews years ago, but uh, we just followed you know what the bands were doing. We didn't. You know, we, we weren't trying, I, you know, we weren't, at least for, and my, Ray might've been uh, doing something a little more uh, intentional, but for me, I was, I was not, uh, I did not have a grasp of what was going on in music to the point where I could select bands that um, fit something I wanted. I just, you know, I only just put out stuff that I was, you know, somehow connected to. Yeah. There's only a couple of bands that I reached out to just because I liked them or people that worked at Rev liked them or, or gave me demos, all that. Wasn't one of them uh Sensefield, right? Yeah, Slipknot and Sensefield were the two that were the, were really the first two. They're not the first two bands that I, you know, loved, but they were the first bands that did not either, uh, come to us or Ray brought them to us, you know? Okay. Yeah. Cause we were saying killed for killed for less is next. Um, and you know, Jason was like, Oh, I always thought the, the Buddha one was the first or, or but, uh, or yeah, I thought it was the first, but yeah, you know, it was, it was the they, early they recordings. They self-released two CDs and that's what everybody was listening to in, in this area. And they were, they were like, you know, super popular. And, you know, I felt like I just barely got in uh, before the, uh, you know, the rush came in to, to sign them. You know, I, I yeah. just wanted, and I only wanted to read. So first I was buying the CDs from them. So we'll, we could talk about that when 137 comes around, but I was buying the CDs from them and selling them for a distribution just because I liked them. And I, I was saying, why don't you let me put these two on a CD? We'll put it out on Rev and that'll be a release. And they really wanted to do a new record. And so that's how Kill for Less came about. And I, you know, I love that album, but I really, I, I've never really liked re-recorded songs. And there's a couple of songs that are re-recorded on there. And, you know, so then you've got which one, which one do you like better? And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you I, have I'm a, kind of a song collector more than a record collector, and I I always want to hear I, I, multiple versions. Just kind of clutter my my brain when uh, when it comes to bands, unless the versions are completely different. Like 
the Hawkwind version of uh, Motorhead versus the Motorhead version. Of <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, um, I'm I'm very excited to get into Sense Field. So we'll, I'll definitely be making sure to reach out. Like you know, uh, um, in my in my Revelation Records discography list that I put together, I have a little note that says uh, Sense Field self titled, which is Rev thirty seven. On the insert, it says Rev thirty three, yeah. which uh, so thirty two is killed for less, and then thirty three is rigged. So that's interesting. Oh, we get rigged soon, too. Oh, we get rigged soon. Yeah, we do, boy. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, the but, next few weeks for this podcast, the next few months. Oh, man. We have so much yeah. good stuff coming up. It's well, unreal. Um, man, I, I, you might, I think Popeye's coming out for a visit soon. You know, he's got family here still. So you, you, might, you might be able to get him in person if you care. Nice. Oh, cool. You're welcome so kill- to use the office if you want. Everybody's vaccinated now. <laughs> nice. I'm most cool. excited for building, though. That's that's my sense field. Yeah, that's uh, a sad story, but yeah, uh, building's a great album. Yeah. Jordan, what's Just your favorite album. record that Revelation put uh, out? From, from, oh, that Revelation put out? I can't, yeah. you know, I can't, I've never been able to name it, but, you know, like the, the thing, the records that I listen to the most. What's up, everybody? This is Javier from the Where It Went podcast. Just wanted to give a special bit of bow to our top-tier patrons, Billy Tunnell, Bram Hubble, Brandon Gavell, Brian Skiffington, Brooklyn, Cesar Falcon, Chad Keplinger, David Palmer, Dirk Focused, G. Jason Head, Greg Jackson, Jeremy Holohan, John Cowell, Quiet Keith, Logan Weasel, Maddie Cox, Nate of Head to Wall fame, Rob Moran, Tim Shear, Siren Records, and Dollar Slice Bootlegs. If you'd like to help us out every month, please visit us at www.whereitwentpodcast.com. There's info and some other cool stuff. Check it out. We'll see you next uh, episode, next week, whatever. Bidipo.